0: Good morning! Good morning this is the day the Lord has made. You, and what a beautiful day it is and you're looking beautiful. It can't get any better than this can it? Again we're glad you're here with us and as we now lift up our worship uh, to God may our prayers our fellowship and our love be seen by all.
1: This is the day.
0: Let's stand as we join together in our hymn of celebration, number 61, Come Thou Almighty King.
2: how
3: As we continue in worship, may the ushers come forward to receive our morning's gifts, tithes, and offerings. bless these and multiply these our gifts that we be faithful to your ministry to meet the needs of those in this community and throughout this world through Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.
4: Good morning. Good morning, good morning listen and receive a reading from the Word of God,
1: may, the God
4: may we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from st. Mark 12 28 through 34 the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Well, Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And with all your strength the second is you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these then the scribe said to him you're right teacher you have truly said that he is one and beside him there is no other and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself this is much more important than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of God. Thank you, God.
0: May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the reading of your holy word, and now ask by the inspiration of your spirit that you will make this word more than words but heard or read, but now living words written upon hearts, and as the good seed that finds its way to good soil digs deep roots and brings forth harvest, may now this, the seed of the word of God, dig deeply into the soil of our souls and bring to us a harvest unto everlasting life through Jesus Christ who is the living word of God, and in whose name we pray. Amen. My answer is my sermon title, Not Far. The question is, how far away is the kingdom of God? I suppose it matters where you're standing, I well remember the bumper sticker that declared, if God seems far away, guess who moved? (laughs) The announcement of the kingdom of God is a central theme to the whole understanding of the gospel message. And here in Mark, chapter 12, we have a most important question that was presented to Jesus. It was presented in verse 28 by one of the Old Testament scribes. Now the scribes were called that because at one time that was their job to inscribe the holy writings by parchment and ink to hand down the holy word. They maintained the manuscripts for copying. They repaired and they maintained the holy books of the Bible. And so here was a man who was in the tradition of the scribes. But by the first century of Jesus, they were no longer just copyists, but they were also commentators on the word they preserved. And the scribe that we encounter in Mark 12, therefore, refers to a man who was an expert in the law of Moses. He knew the old law. He knew it well. He often taught it. And in this chapter, we see that certain people before the scripture written in that same chapter, people were trying to trick Jesus with questions to entrap him in his words so they could accuse him of being a law breaker. The Pharisees had already tried some tricky questions for Jesus. The Herodians tried to trap Jesus in making a mistake. The Sadducees began arguing with him over the resurrection of the dead. And then we come to verse 28. And finally, all we have is a single person with an honest, sincere, legitimate question to ask the Lord, and the question was, out of the entire Word of God, what is the greatest commandment? Now, this is rather an interesting question for even today, for we know that in the first century, the Jewish rabbis had cataloged all the commandments in the Old Testament, so they said could be reduced. Now, did you hear that word reduced? To 613 commandments. Sounds like the way we look at the law today. We take out the Ten Commandments from our society which can't admit that our laws are based on them and then creates a million other laws that are 10,000 pages long. Instead of just going back to 10 that could probably do us a whole lot better. Crazy world in which we live. But in Jesus' time this was the way they looked at the Old Testament laws as well. Not just the original 10 but as 613 commandments. For centuries they had been arguing over which of these was the greatest commandment. Some of the Jewish rabbis believed that it had something to do with sacrifice because there were more commandments dealing with sacrifice than any others, but they were wrong. Other rabbis had various other opinions on the subject, and yet here finally was a simple scribe who had the courage to ask in the midst of all of his peers sincerity to go to Jesus and ask him this question. And Jesus literally astounds everyone as He cuts through all of the red tape of 613 commandments, volumes of Midrashim, which is the commentary of the law, and the centuries of debates on the commandments. And He simply said that the first or the greatest of these is that you shall Worship the Lord your God and you shall love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your soul and with all of your heart and you shall, second being onto that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And there is no greater commandment than these. And in that one verse, Jesus summarizes all of the law, all of the commentary, all of the rabbis, all of the centuries, and said, all you have to do is to love God and love one another to find the greatest commandment. And the scribe answered to Jesus, you are right, teacher, for you have truly said that God is one and there is no other one but He. And Jesus, perceiving that the scribe had asked well and had answered with a searching heart, replied to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. However, the kingdom initiated by Jesus was not understood as Jesus meant it. He was not an earthly kingdom. It wasn't a kingdom of armies and horses and swords and spears that was often inferred from Old Testament prophecies. It was rather a spiritual kingdom that is now growing in the hearts of men and women and it will find its fulfillment in the eventual sovereign rule of God on earth. and The defeat of evil when found in the lives and the hearts and the souls of people who allow God's presence to be with them. And so we ask the question, How do we know in the experience of our lives if we are truly saved before God? How do we understand that we have had a life changing experience with the Lord? How do we understand what it means to know God personally? How do we move from knowing about God? To knowing God? How do we move from talking about God to talking to God? These are questions that people from every century and every place have asked. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Movement, asked all of these questions and more On the night of his heartwarming experience on the 24th of May 1738, as he was making his way to evensong at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, he opened his Bible to get direction from God. Now, I always say that can be a dangerous thing to do, but he opened the Bible. Well, let me tell you a story about this other guy. He opens the Bible and he puts down his finger for God's guidance, and it says, Judas went out and hung himself. Well, he didn't like that one, so he switched over to another. He put, put his finger down and it said, and Jesus said, what you must do, do quickly. Um, not my advice on the best way to find God's guidance. However, that day, Wesley opened his Bible, put his hand down, and came upon the very verse we have used this morning from St. Mark, which said, thou art not far from the kingdom of God of God. You see, Wesley had been struggling for 11 years as a priest in the Church of England. He did not have assurance for himself that he was saved before God. Uh, He he talked about God. He studied about God, but he didn't know God. He did not have a personal relationship and assurance of his own salvation. And as Wesley then, after having found that scripture, went to St. Paul's Cathedral for Evensong, as he left, going down Aldersgate Street, he heard singing. And off is a little chapel still there, in which he went. And he stopped there, and he would later write about that occurrence. He said about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and had saved me from the law of sin and death. And so Wesley found that he was not far truly from the kingdom of God. In Holy Communion that we celebrate today, we understand and receive a glimpse of the promise of the kingdom of God, because it is here that we understand the complete, whole, faithful reception of the heart that God says here, you know, my love, that every sin can be forgiven, that every life can be restored, that every person can find a personal relationship with Christ. And in this incredible love of God, we find ourselves in not only in this marvelous fellowship with one another, but we find ourselves in intimate relationship with God Himself. Jesus shows us that the kingdom of God really isn't very far away after all, if we'll simply open our hearts and trust God and believe. How far away is the kingdom of God? Not very far if we open our hearts to it. I'd like to share with you a story it was at a fundraising dinner for a school that serves learning disabled children. And the father of one of the school's students delivered a speech that would be long remembered by those who had attended. After installing the school and his dedicated staff, he offered a question. He said, everything God does is done with perfection, yet my son Shay cannot learn things as other children do. He cannot understand things as other children do. And he asked the question, where is God's plan reflected in my son? The audience was still and the father continued, I believe that when God brings a child like Shea into the world an opportunity to realize the divine Plan presents itself and it comes in the way that people treat that child. And then he told the following story. He said that he and Shay had been walking several days before down to the park. And Shay saw a bunch of the local neighborhood kids playing baseball. And Shay asked his father, Do you think they'll let me play? And Shay's dad knew down and deep that most boys would not want him on their team. But, but the father understood that if his son were allowed, it would play a, a much needed sense of belonging would come into his heart. Shea's father approached one of the boys on the field and asked if Shay could play. And the boy kind of looked around to his teammates to get some kind of guidance and getting none, he, he made the step to take matters into his own hands. And he said, You know the the deal is we are losing by six runs. The game is in the eighth inning. I guess he can be on our team and we'll try to put him up to bat in the ninth inning because we don't have anything to lose. In the bottom of the eighth inning, Shea's team scored a few runs but was still three down. At the top of the ninth inning, Shea put on a glove and played in the outfield. And although no hits came his way, he was obviously Daddy, just to be on the field. He was grinning from ear to ear as his father waved to him from the stands. In the bottom of the ninth inning, Shea's team scored again. Now with two outs and the bases loaded, the potential winning run was on base. And Shea was scheduled to be the next at bat. Would the team actually let Shea take away their chance to win the game? Everyone knew that if Shea were given the bat, it was all but impossible that he could hit the ball. But someone handed him the bat. Shea didn't even really know how to hold it properly, much less connect with the ball. However, as Shea stepped to the plate, the pitcher moved up a few steps closer to the plate to lob the ball in as softly as he could to at least be able to make contact. The first pitch came in and Shea swung clumsily and missed the ball by a mile The pitcher, again, took a few more steps in and gave a slow ball in, which actually Shea was able to connect to, and he got a soft grounder and it went right to the pitcher's feet. The pitcher picked up the, the grounder and he could have easily thrown it to first base to call Shea out. But he took the ball and as hard as he could, with an arc as as, far as he could, throw it through it, way above the head of the first baseman, way out into the outfield. And as they did that, everyone started yelling, Shay, run to first, run to first. Never in his life had Shay ever made it to first base. He scampered down the baseline, wide-eyed and startled, and everyone yelled, run to second base, Shay, run to second base. By the time that he had rounded the first base, the right fielder had the ball and he could have easily thrown the ball to the second baseman for a tag. But the right fielder understood. And he too took that ball and he threw it as high as he could over the second baseman's shoulder. That would take him a while to get it. And Shea ran towards second base as the runners ahead of him began to circle the bases towards home. As Shea reached second base, the opposing shortstop ran up to him, turned him around in the right direction of third base, and shouted, run to third. As Shea rounded third, the boys from both teams were now screaming, Shea, run home, run home. And Shea ran home, stepped on home base, and was cheered as the hero for hitting a grand slam. and winning the game for the team. And that day, said his father. As tears rolled down his face. Was when the boys from both teams. helped bring a piece of the divine plan. Into this world. May I say in that moment, my friends. The kingdom of God was very close indeed. And so I ask you the question again, how far is the kingdom of God? Not far. If you love God and you will love one another, the kingdom will be in our midst. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for the presence of him who reminds us that by that presence in hearts, the kingdom of God has come close. And so, O Lord, may we so love you that in loving ourselves we may love those around us, that we might see your love in the world that we've never seen it before. And may the power and the presence of that love touch us. That we, too, will make a difference in the world. Because the kingdom of heaven truly is here. Amen.
3: On this day, we have the joy to come to the communion table. To experience where the divine, and the everyday intersect. To remember on this day that the kingdom of heaven is not far at all. So we come to the table to remember the night that Jesus was with his disciples. When he took bread, he raised it, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. And following supper, Jesus took the cup of wine he raised it he gave thanks. And he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. Whenever you receive this, do this in remembrance of me. Glorious God, we come to you today to give our thanks and praise that we might come to the communion table to receive your grace and your mercy for the sins that we have committed against you and against one another the things that we have done or failed to do throughout this week and throughout our lives. That in this moment we might experience your grace and your goodness that is poured out and offered to each of us. That in so doing we might proclaim the mystery of our faith knowing that Christ has died, Christ has risen and that Christ will come again. For this we rejoice and we lift our voices with all of the heavenly angels singing, Holy, Holy, Holy God, Lord of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. So glorious God, may we lift up our voices in prayer, may we lift up our hearts in praise and come expectant to your table, to feel your spirit move, your presence here, to know that you are never far, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. As the ushers and the communion servers come forward to receive this morning, we want to remind you you do not need to be a member of the United Methodist Church. You don't need to be United Methodist to come to the table and receive, for God's grace is great and His table is greater.
4: Please join in singing Hymn 641, Bill Munster, 641.
3: We give you thanks, as we join together this day in worship and in praise, to know that your spirit is here and continues to stir and move in our hearts and our lives. We give you thanks for the joy and the sacrament of communion that your grace might abound, that we forever will be transformed, having been and continuing to be in your presence. And as we lift up our praise and our joys, may we too lift up our voices in prayer. To raise our voice with those around the world this day who too have prayed the prayer that your son Jesus taught that we pray our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory glory, forever and ever. Amen. Will you please stand as we join in our hymn, Shalom to you. Take the hands of those standing next to you. And as you hold fast to one another's hands, give a little squeeze. Hold real tight, but not too tight. (laughs) And as you hold fast to one another's hands, may we go forth this day to continue to hold one another's hands and enjoy the relationship to which we've been called. And in that, to bring the love of Christ and the light to this world even with one. Now go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever, to love and to serve, through Jesus Christ. Amen.